0: Hi and welcome to ComChurch Talks. This is our Sermon of the Day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. There's some things that um, when your pastor comes up and says some stuff, you think, oh that's brilliant. And then he goes, Rob's going to bring a masterclass. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my goodness. (laughs) No pressure then. Thanks very much, Julian, for setting me up there. That's great. Uh, Right, so good morning, everybody. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying the series that we've been doing uh, on uh, the Red Letters. Uh, And it it is a great thing, um, looking at the words of Jesus. There is something special in that. So we are going to be doing that again this morning. What uh, I'm going to be looking at. So, if you, uh, if you've got a, a Bible with you, can we go to John three? Let's go to John three. If you've uh, now, when I say I've got a Bible with you, I'm I'm one of these people. I don't mind whether uh, you have it in paper form or digital form. Don't mind that. Either, either way, uh, it's the Word of God. Doesn't no, for, for me. I, I mean, I, I do. I, I use both. Be honest. I know there's some people that'll go, no, you know, you must use paper because digital. Uh, use both. If you can read the Word of God, read the Word of God. I'm happy for that. Um, if you haven't got, if you're visiting or don't, didn't bring a Bible, maybe shimmy up next to someone who's got one, uh, and then we'll go through it together. There is something in actually reading it. So we're looking at John three one to fifteen. So hopefully uh, you've all got got it there and it's ready to go. If you've got a paper Bible, even actually some digital versions do have these bits in red. So if, you, if it's in red, uh, then you'll see why we've called it the red letters. All right, just checking. looks like most people are there. Right, so let's, let's do this together. Here we go. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, so that very truly, you know, he's obviously, there's something important here. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, and you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with those born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replies with this. You are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who comes from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. Okay, good. Stay if you've got if you've got your Bible, Bible open, stay there. I mean, we'll be going to other places, but stay there and and we'll we'll keep going. A while back, uh, my wife, Sarah, we, so Pastor Sarah and I were talk, talking to some people this morning, uh, and we were just saying about loads of Sarahs. Uh, so we, but the other Sarahs, one's in Kenya, and my, my Sarah's in Oxford. Uh, so if you call Sarah, you'll get Sarah. Uh, but we, we were at a, a conference, a, a Christian conference, and we were chatting to a guy, chatting to a youth leader there. So I did youth work for many years. And so we had something in common as we were chatting away about the importance that it is to teach young people that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In a generation, in a time, well, as it's been really for most of the time, that it's, it's about you. You are the way. It's your way. Have it your way. Do what you want. And we are saying about you know, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And this guy who's leading a youth work said, well, to be honest, I'm not sure if I believe that. I think Jesus might have been a way, or is a way, and so he must have seen, you know, our jaw drop and like, pardon? And he said, well, to be honest, I'm not even sure that the Bible is real. I said, what? He says, well, yeah, you no, know, really, it's just like a political document, really. That's kind of where the conversation ended. Well, thank you very much for your time. That's very nice of you. I mean, we did kind of um, drop some things to him. But this is a guy leading the youth, but he didn't, let me just clarify, by the way, both of those statements are untrue. One, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And what he said is true. All right? We cannot, as Julian's just said, we cannot discount that. We cannot, you cannot disprove that. And actually, the Bible, we know, red and black letters are the Word of God, the written Word of God. But it struck us that there's somebody, he didn't understand the spiritual significance of what the Word was saying. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't get it. He didn't perceive it. And I say that because of some of the things we're going to be looking at. But we're going to start with this one. Unless you are born again, or born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So this is verse 5. So Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Now, when we're born, we we enter a family. You're born into a family, and uh, generally that happens where... um, Uh, people take on the name they're given they they live in the family home Uh, they're looked after by their parents or a parent or or someone I know that doesn't always work but that's fairly general Uh, it says but you kind of start to you know you you look like them and and then there's you pick up their traits and their mannerisms and uh, you take the family name you belong you belong to that family Romans 8.15 tells us, I and mean, this is talking to the church. He says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear, but rather the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship that you, we may cry, Abba, Father. So the Spirit gives this new birth. It brings this new birth and that we are then now adopted as God's children. That's an amazing thing. That way we are now part of that family. It says a little bit earlier on in Romans 8, 9 to 11, you, still talking to the church, are not in the realm of the flesh, this natural realm which is opposed to the things of God. You are not part of that. But you are in the realm of the Spirit if, there is an if, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. So there's a contrast there between the flesh and this natural realm and the realm of the Spirit which is kind of the realm of heaven really. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, we're not part of that family. We don't have Christ. Going to church won't do it, won't cut it. Just turning up to a church meeting doesn't work, doesn't, won't be, make you part of that family. Lighting candles, singing songs maybe. Trying to be a good person. It's not what cuts it. It's that change, that new birth that Jesus has bought by the the blood of Jesus. Sarah gave a great uh, talk when we were talking about communion, about the blood of Jesus, what it does, what he has done. God in his great mercy has made a way through Jesus, what he has done and the life that he brings. That whoever, as John 3.16 says, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Verse 10 of that scripture we're just reading, it says, If Christ is in you, then even though your body, this physical bit, is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. The Spirit gives life. That's an amazing thing. You know, the Spirit isn't some kind of mystical force now we was talking, Sarah was talking earlier about all these other things the world has. They do all these weird and wonderful things that seem to have a, 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 like a, an image of something amazing happening. But they are just something that doesn't come from God. The Spirit is different. He is a Holy Spirit, different to the things of this world. He's not a mystical force that makes people shake and does all wonderful things and makes our in- meetings more interesting. He is different. He's a different spirit to the spirit of this world. He's part of the Godhead. And verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit that lives in you. So the spirit living in us, this new birth, we need that new birth to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus uses a a metaphor for the spirit. He talks about uh, this wind. This numa in in the Greek, and he says it's kind of those echoes of um, the creation, right? We talked, Julian talked about creation. There's echoes of that in the, the spirit, this breath, this wind hovering over the waters, and then, fantastically, it's an introduction to how the spirit is going to enter the story of the church at Pentecost. This rushing wind, this powerful wind, going to come. And he, like the wind, goes where he pleases. He is the Spirit of God. And it says um, in John 3.8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. It's the same as it is with the Spirit. He, he moves. We don't control the wind and we don't control the Spirit because he goes where he pleases. And you hear the sound, again, the echo of what's going to come to Pentecost And you cannot tell where it comes from. So it is, and I love this, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So he's equating the move of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, with the people of the Spirit. The world cannot see where it's going because the Spirit is, and he's going to take it. Our place is heaven. Because without him, we can't get there. Without this new birth, this rebirth, we can't get there. They can't see it. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. There's a 19th century uh, preacher and pastor, a guy called Andrew Murray, and in his book, The Holiest of All, says this. There's a quote. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Uh, It says, To be led by the Spirit implies in the first place the surrender to his work as he convinces of sin and cleanses soul and body for his temple. It is the indwelling Spirit, filling, sanctifying, and ruling the heart and life that he enlightens and leads. And this is how we can recognise if someone's had that rebirth or part of that anyway, in particular with the work of the Spirit. It shows that we are born again or born from above, born of the Spirit. That we are children, then we are children of God. We belong to the family of God. That unites us with the same Spirit, the same Jesus, the same Father, unites us. And then we are born again. And then that brings us to the home that we are heading to. Then... This one, unless you are born again or born of the Spirit, you will not see the kingdom of God. You will not understand it, you will not perceive it, you will not see the kingdom of God. The Spirit leads us into all truth. Without God the Spirit, there is only really at very best a form of godliness but denying the power without the work of the Spirit in us. Now the word used here for, again, uh, it has a double meaning. It has a dual meaning. Um, so it can mean for, uh, again, to so born again. But if you've got a, a Bible with footnotes, at the footnote it will probably say also from above because it means both things. And the reason I say that is because Nicodemus understood it to be again in the natural. He's, he's heard Jesus, or the Son of God, speak, and he speaks with a, a real spiritual truth, and he's thinking naturally. And so he says, he doesn't perceive it, understand it. He says, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. It's because Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth, a spiritual rebirth. Because if he was a second physical one, nothing would change. We'd still be born into a world cursed by sin. Nothing would change. It'd be a horrible experience for the mother, I'm sure. That'd be awful a horrible thing. But it's impossible. It couldn't happen. But that's why it's a spiritual rebirth. And so Jesus explains to Nicodemus a different way. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Because flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So it's a spiritual rebirth. But he still didn't seem to understand. Now, I say it like that because if you've got children. Hands up if you've got children here. Have many of you tried to explain something over and over again? It's frustrating, isn't it? And you get this look. Show the baby picture. And you get that look. Huh? And you try different ways different ways to explain something. And until you're blue in the face, and you try again, and maybe you try an object lesson, you try writing it down, drawing pictures, and they're still like, huh? I wonder where about. Jesus felt a little like that. Like a, a parent trying to explain something to their child that they're just not getting. Why are you not getting this? Why are you not understanding this? I wonder if he felt a little bit like that. And that, some of that frustration possibly, I wonder with that, if that's in his response in John 3.10. So if you look at John 3.10, he says, you are Israel's teacher. So you, you imagine like a parent sitting a child down You are Israel's teacher. (laughs) Why are you not getting this? You are Israel's teacher. So he's pointing to the fact that this guy, Nicodemus, is a teacher of the law. He's reading it. He's understanding it. He's teaching it, but he hasn't perceived it because there's no work of the Spirit. There's no rebirth. He's got the law. He's got it written down. He's reading it. He's teaching it. He's a teacher. And then he says, and do you not understand these things? He continues in verse 12, I spoke to you of earthly things and you did not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? The word of God is full of stuff of the spirit and of the word of truth and of heaven. But without the spirit, we cannot understand it. So Julian was absolutely right when he says, you know, there's people in the world who discard this book completely. They don't understand it. They just throw it out because to them it's nonsense because there's no rebirth of the Spirit, they will not see it. They will not see what God is doing. They will not see the impact. They will not see the Word as as, as alive and living and sharper than any double-edged sword. They will not see it because there's no rebirth of the Spirit. There's no revelation of the Spirit. So to them, it becomes just a political document or some kind of book full of myths and a legend. They see it as outdated, maybe. Irrelevant. Because there's no life of the spirit. So there's a screen for this. What does it mean for us? What does it mean then? So this stuff. So let, let's bring some try and bring some practicalities here. We as believers must move, work, live with the spirit and the gifts he brings. We need to know what he, the spirit, is saying to the churches. What he's saying to us. So that makes a question: what, what is our purpose? Is it to serve Christ or to consume Christianity? Because there's a difference. When there's a rebirth of the Spirit, we submit to Christ and serve him and the church and the body of people. We do not consume, we don't come just to uh, get and gain what we can. We give and we serve. And we need to love and serve one another, each other, with humility. Uh, A great guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote so many wonderful things. He says this, and he's got a book called Experiencing the New Birth, and he suggests this. Humility is a characteristic of those who are born again or from above, or born of the Spirit, because they have had a touch of the eternal, which brings reverence and godly fear to a true believer. We are meant to be different to the world system, We are meant to be different from the things that are around us. We give not to gain. We give because that is God's heart. He is generous, He is giving and loving, and we follow Him. We must not water down this truth to make it more palatable for those who might not understand it. We rely on the Spirit to do that work for us, we just go and preach. Now, there's an American theologian, guy called Francis Schaeffer, during the 1950s, uh, and he observed a disconnected society. So there's one class of people treating another like, like machines. And he's, and he's observing this behaviour and said there was a brainwashing that was leading people away from what he called the true truth. Because there's a lot of claims about being truth. The truth here, the truth is, this is your truth. That's what kind of, And he saw that he said, no, 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 there's a true truth. That comes from God. And he was quoted as saying this. Tell me what the world is saying today, and I'll tell you what the church will be saying in seven years. I don't know if you've got that. Tell me what the world is saying today, and I will tell you what the church is saying in seven years. He observed this shift in the churches where society was changing, and it wasn't aligning up with the word. So some, not saying all, some, Started to change the way they did things in church, the way they spoke, the way they preached the word, to make it more palatable and fit in with society. I remember Pastor Sarah saying quite often, "You know, we're not meant to fit into. The way we're meant to stand out. We're meant to be different. And as days get darker, our light will shine brighter. We don't dim our light so that the world, is, you know, can see it better or feel more comfortable." The word will make us uncomfortable. And the message of the Bible will not be accepted by those who have not been reborn. And so we might not be able to argue someone into the kingdom, but we can love them. If we're not born from above, we'll not perceive what is happening. We'll not perceive what the word says. We don't change the word to fit it with society or make it suit our own agenda. But it should change us to be more Christ-like. But we don't change it to be accepted by the world. We must be changed, challenged, encouraged, and sharpened by the Word of God. Colossians 4, 5 says this, and this is not the Passion Translation. We, we seem to like it, don't we? We like the Passion Translation. It's great. It says, walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers. And make it, I love this, and make it your duty to make him known. That's amazing. We've got to live in a way that makes Christ known. And we cannot do that by ourselves. We must be empowered by the Spirit to do that. Our lives should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. We talked about hope this morning and peace. We sang a song, and I mentioned it in the, in the Reflections this morning. We sang that song, You Made a Way. When everything seems dark, everything is, is, doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a way out. Everything seems to be crumbling around us. But we know in faith... We know because of the Word. We know because of the Holy Spirit that God will make a way. God has made a way. He is working. He is doing the stuff. He is doing it and he's making a way. The world will look at us and say, why are you clinging to this thing? What's it doing for you? How is it helping you? See, your life seems to be a mess. Everything around you is falling apart. There's storms everywhere. But we know he's the peace in the middle of our storms, right? Right? They will not see it. They will not understand it. They will not perceive it. But we live it because we know that God will make a way. Much of what we do is alien to the world. They don't see it. So when we give up our mornings, our lie-in mornings, when the world's lying in on a Sunday morning, we get up and meet together and sing to an invisible being. To the world, that's nuts. But to us, it's life were singing a song was talking about worship this morning i mean great therapy we know obviously we know that's not what it's for but because god is on uh, he's he's truthful faithful loving he meets us in our need doesn't he he meets us there to the world that's crazy see us all here this morning listening to some guy waffle on it's crazy to the world they don't get it because there's no spirit they don't perceive it to serve others and not be served what no 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 You, you you get people to serve you, right? No, it's the opposite. We serve and not be served. To live a life of self-sacrifice and denial, to put God and others first, put our own interests down. Seems crazy. It seems crazy to this world because they don't understand it. But to those of us who've had this new birth... We will start to see it. we start to see the change. We, we are changing from glory to glory, being transferred, transformed by God. Our hearts and minds are being transformed. We start to see the truth. His standards. Julian gave a word about his standards, raising them high. And we start to see it because the Spirit reveals it. We start to see those standards and we start to live it. We must let, the, we must let his word influence and guide us and lead us in this life, regardless of how not the norm it becomes. I read this, and it really challenged me. It's by a guy called Francis Chan. And when I read this, it just kind of challenged my heart, and it was one of those, uh." so I'm going to read it this morning. Hopefully, it will challenge and encourage us all. He says this. Many of us make decisions based on what brings us the most pleasure. Pleasure. We pursue what we want, then we make sure there are no biblical commands we are violating. In essence, we want to know what God will tolerate rather than what he desires. Maybe we are afraid to ask what will bring him the most pleasure, because ignorance feels better than disobedience. And that was like a, oh, my goodness. That was something like, do I do that? Very possibly, more than likely, to be honest, because I know my heart. And actually, that really challenged me. So I wanted to share that this morning. What is the Spirit saying to us today? We must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit to see what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And we can't do that. This morning, the Romans twelve nine says, to hate what is evil, cling to what is good. That is the work of God in our lives. So that's what it means to us. So what does it mean for our mission? What does it mean for our mission? Firstly, people need to hear the message of the cross to be able to respond. This world needs to hear the message of the cross. As foolish as it may sound to them, they need to hear it. Romans 10.14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That's our job. That's all of our job. As believers, that's our job, to go out. To go, but our lives must match what we preach. That's a real challenge. But that that change doesn't happen without the Spirit of God. That change does not happen without the Spirit of God. We need to go, preach, pray, heal, make disciples. We need to go out there, they need to hear the message. Number two, we need to understand the work of God, Son, Father, Spirit in the lives of those who need to hear. So, first we know, we've read it this morning, or we're just about to read it, in John three sixteen, they are saved by the Son. It is a work of the Son and what he did on the cross. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, or only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. Those are in red, those words. And same again here, John 6.40, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks at the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. The Son has saved us. And then it is a work of the Father. They are drawn by the Father. It's his will that none shall perish. And in John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. The Father draws people to Jesus. Jesus is raised up and people. Father draws them. And I thought this is interesting, actually, in 45, it says, It is written in, in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. So what the Father is saying, what the Father has said about the Son and is drawn to him, when they hear that, they come to him. And then it is a revelation by the Spirit. So you've got the work of the Son, the work of the Father, and the work of the Spirit in salvation. And actually, that should encourage us this morning. My goodness, what God has done to make a way where we didn't deserve it. So 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 14, there's a fair bit here, and I'm going to go through this before, uh, before we uh, get to the end here. And I love this whole text. There was just one scripture, and then I read the whole thing, uh, and I, said, I thought to myself, actually, I, I, I'm going to do this whole bit of text here. So um, let's put our seatbelts on. Let's go. All right. So 1 Corinthians 2, 14, 1 to, uh, 2, 1 to 14. And he says, And so it is with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to, to you, I did not do it with eloquence, Of human wisdom, as I proclaim to you you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What a simple message! Paul, who had all this understanding, just preached Christ and crucified. That's all. That's all you need to know. Verse three: I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Paul knew that they would not understand without this rebirth, this life of the Spirit, without the Spirit revealing to them. So he. What else he had to say other than a simple message they might not have understood? Because without the Spirit, they couldn't do it. So Paul used another gift of the Spirit to show what the Spirit was saying, to help them understand. He used, as it continues, a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And he says this, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So they could at least see the work of God moving and happening. They could see it for themselves. Verse 6, we do, however, uh, speak a message of wisdom. So there is a message of wisdom that he speaks. So there is one uh, that we speak among the mature. But it's not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing because the wisdom of this age is no wisdom at all because it does not have God, God who is in essence wisdom itself. So this message of the age is not what this is talking about. Verse 7, no, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. Like Nicodemus, quite often they were thinking the natural, although they knew God is spirit. Because there was no rebirth, they didn't understand it. For they had... Uh, For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Who understands their own thoughts except for who they are, their own spirit within them? In the same way, I love that, in the same way, who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? What we have received is not um, the spirit of the world, but the spirit who came from God, so that we may understand. Rebirth, born again, we must be born again to understand so, we, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but, the taught, but words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are dis- discerned only by the Spirit. So in closing, what have we come to? All of that stuff, what what are we learning? What, What does that mean? No one can perceive or understand the things of the kingdom unless they are born again. Unless they are born of that kingdom. That is why we are in the world, not of it. Because this is not our kingdom. Yes, we've got to submit to the authorities around us, because that's biblical, that's right. But this is not our kingdom. Heaven is our kingdom and it has a king and we submit to his authority. And we cannot enter that kingdom unless we are born from that kingdom. Unless someone is born from that kingdom, that rebirth that Jesus was on about, being born from above, born again, born of the Spirit, no one can enter that kingdom Jesus isn't just a way he is the way. As Christians we must take stock. Is there evidence of that new birth in our lives? What is God doing in us? What God is how is he changing us? Are we as that thing, are we living in a way to see how much of the uh, how much of what God says we can do and get away with before it becomes something that's a bit naughty? Are we thinking about how far we can go? Or are we saying, um, God, what pleases you? That's had a real effect on me this week. Are we actively following where the Spirit leads, being transformed by the renewing of our minds? Are we letting the inspiration of what the Spirit has revealed already in his word? Are its standards guiding us through this life in preparation for the next and lastly, to those who are perishing, the word says, if we're not believers, if there's somebody here this morning who's visiting for the first time and, and may, maybe you're not a Christian or maybe um, you're discovering or trying to look for something or, or you're, you're seeking God or seeking a, another way of life, let, let me encourage you that heaven is real and it is a place, but there needs to be a rebirth that happens trying to do good works, trying to be nice and trying to do things well, won't cut it. We need to give our lives to Jesus, submit to his authority, let the Spirit change us. There needs to be a tugging, a drawing of the Father, and the tugging on our hearts. And if you're feeling that this morning, let me encourage you that that means God is for you. He is calling you. We've got a book, some books down here that if, you want, if you're going to accept Jesus maybe for the first time, We've got something to give to you. We've got something that will help you along that journey. Let the Spirit reveal to you the mystery of God that has been hidden. If you're hearing this and you go, I don't quite get it, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart this morning. There is an inheritance of being part of God's family. The work of the Spirit where he, he, as the King James says, he is the Spirit of adoption. We are adopted into God's family and without him, We don't become part of God's family. Without Jesus, the work that he has already done on the cross, but with him, we then become part of God's family. Then we become part of the inheritance and our place. Our home would become heaven. So if that is you this morning, we'd love to pray with you. We want to reach out to you because God is calling you. And as we go back into worship, as we sing again, If anything that has been said here this morning is challenging you, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart as he has has with mine this week. What is he saying to you this morning? Let the worship kind of just flow over you as we talked about that wind moving. Allow the Spirit. Let him move. Let him move, blow over you like, like these fans are blowing here. I was, this morning, in reflection sat here, and I felt, felt this wind blowing. Obviously, I knew that wasn't the Holy Spirit, but it's a fan. But it reminded me, actually, you know, this, this, this wind blows. And if that was strong enough, it could move things out of the way. God is making a way for us this morning. Let me pray for you and then we can continue in worship. Let's close our eyes and just think about the love of God, the salvation of Jesus, the drawing of the Father and the new birth of the Spirit. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you that you came to us when we had rejected you. And to those who have not had that rebirth. That might sound stupid It may sound daft. But we know, God, that it is true. We know, God, that it is real. And we want to thank you and bless you for that. We say, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to the things that we've been missing. As we go from glory to glory, help us see more of what you are revealing, what you are saying to us. Help us to be more like what your word tells us we are. Help us to lay down our lives, pick up our cross and follow Christ. Help us to live in a a way to serve and not be served. A life of self-denial and a sacrifice to you, Jesus. Because we know, no matter what we give up in this life, we will not lose what's in the next. And there's so much for us. So we bless you for that. Lord, we want to worship you for that. So as we stand together this morning, Lord, In reverence and honour to you, we worship your name. Thanks for listening to Comchurch Talks. We'd love to hear from you, and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.